Our second scripture is from Luke chapter 6, verses 17 through 26. Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out of him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the human one. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you if you are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. We celebrate the written word of scripture. Thanks be to God. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Blessed are you, holy God, maker of the universe. Open us up to your word that we might be changed so that we would bless the world you love. Amen. The Beatitudes in this morning's scripture aren't the Beatitudes that I'm used to hearing. They're not the ones I grew up with, the ones I learned in Sunday school, the ones that we just sang in the first hymn. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Those Beatitudes and their lavish expression of blessing, those are the Beatitudes that we find in the Gospel of Mark, of Matthew, sorry, Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount. This morning's scripture gives us the Beatitudes as we find them in the Gospel of Luke, and they too are full of blessing, and you may have noticed they are also full of woe. Blessed are you who are poor, woe to you who are rich. The Beatitudes as told in Matthew and Luke differ in a number of ways. They have different locations. In Matthew, Jesus gives the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. He goes up to a high place and delivers the blessings from there. In Luke, Jesus gives the Beatitudes on a plain. He starts up on a mountain with the disciples, but then he brings them all down onto the plain, onto a level place 
where the people pour in. Luke's Beatitudes speak plainly. In Matthew's version, at least in most English translations, there's not quite the hard edge. Blessed are the poor in spirit. In Luke, blessed are you who are poor. Blessed are the poor. Luke's Beatitudes speak directly to those who are gathered there. In Matthew, the Beatitudes are in the third person. Blessed are those who hunger. In Luke, they are in the second person. Blessed are you. Blessed are you who hunger. Woe to you. Woe to you who are full. And of course, in Matthew, there are blessings, and in Luke, there are blessings and woes. Before we wade into those woes, let's ground ourselves in the story. Let's put our feet on this level place because the start of this scripture is breathtaking in its own right. At the very start, Jesus brings the disciples and us down from the mountain onto the plain. He brings us onto this level place. It's an expansive place and the people flow in. There are the disciples and then folks from Jerusalem and Judea and then Gentiles from the seaside cities of Tyre and Sidon, all the people. And everyone brings with them all of their pain and their hurt. They've come to hear and they've come for healing. And everyone in the crowd reaches out towards Jesus to try to touch him. And then look what happens. Power is coming out of Jesus and all of them are healed. All of them. All of them are healed. I've never noticed that. When I think of the healing stories in the Gospels, I think of individual stories. The woman who reaches out and grabs the hem of Jesus' garment. The man who can't walk, whose friends lower him down to Jesus through the roof. And the crowds gather to watch. But here, the crowd gathers, all of them, every kind of person with every type of ailment, and they are all clamoring and reaching out, and power comes out of Jesus, and they all are healed. As he begins this teaching of blessing and woe, Jesus brings us into a broad, expansive place, a level place where he welcomes everyone in with all the hurting that they bring there. We all are together on a level place in the fullness of life, every bit of who we are, a place where hurt and healing abound. And then, then Jesus begins to teach with blessing and with woe. Blessed are you who are poor. Does that sound familiar? It's basically the same thing Mary sang in the Magnificat. You are raising up the lowly and bringing down the proud. You are filling the hungry with good things. Jesus said as much when he started his ministry, the spirit of God is upon me. I've come to bring good news to the poor, release to the captive, freedom for all who are oppressed. Jesus is announcing again what God is doing in the world, the kingdom of God, the new creation, the life and liberation of resurrection. These blessings are declarative statements of fact. What hurts you now, God is healing even now. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied, you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. 
Blessed are you who have been cast out. You are being welcomed in. And then Jesus says, Woe. Woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will know hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will know mourning and weeping. Several writers I read this week suggest that we, re, that we read woe as whoa, 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 whoa. What we translate woe, W-O-E, which is very close to the Greek, it is, in the Greek, it's an interjection. Stop. Pay attention. Not too far off from woe, W-H-O-A. One writer said that woe is basically the opposite of be not afraid, whoa, stop, pay attention. There is something to tend here. There's something at stake. This morning, these blessings and woes come to us at almost the midpoint of Black History Month. In Black History Month, we honor and celebrate the vitality of black lives, the accomplishments and contributions that black Americans have made to every field of endeavor. And in Black History Month, if we live it in its fullness, we also say true things about the systems that work to hold black folks back. We talk about and commit ourselves to things that need to change. Now, I don't know about you, but every once in a while, as Black History Month approaches, I hear that tired old question. Black History Month, why don't we have a white history month? <laughs> I did not write in my manuscript, roll eyes here. <laughs> of course, a good anti-racist response to that question is, because every month, in a sense, is White History Month, because the domination culture always gets to write the dominant history. That's the anti-racist answer. I've wondered, though, if we actually had an official White History Month, would we tell the truth? Would we put aside our Thanksgiving story of new white colonizers gathering at a peaceful table with indigenous people? And would we instead tell the history of the mass displacement of indigenous peoples by white people, the trail of tears, the stealing of land, the breaking of treaty upon treaty upon treaty, the genocide? When we talk of the promise in the Declaration of Independence that all people are created equal, would we tell the history of our Constitution? Of how the Constitution, as originally written by white men, protected and perpetuated the institution of slavery explicitly and implicitly and kept generations of people enslaved? Would we talk about how it took a bloody civil war to get the words equal protection of law written into the Constitution? Would we then tell of the history that followed, the history of white resistance to that promise of the Constitution through outright violence, Jim Crow, housing segregation, school segregation, mass incarceration, voter suppression, mass resistance by every means possible in every 
part of this nation. If we told the white history of Marin, would we talk about how black workers were invited into Marin during World War II to join the war effort building ships? Of how they served faithfully, but when the war ended, when everyone got their GI Bill, white folks could use it to buy homes anywhere they wanted, but black folks couldn't because of redlining and restrictive racist covenants. Would we talk about how all that has resulted in the segregation in Marin County that persists to this day? Housing segregation, school segregation, gross racial economic disparities all here in Marin today. James Baldwin once said, American history is longer and larger more various, more beautiful, more terrible than anything anyone has ever said about it. We celebrate Black History Month so that for at least a month we are talking about those true things and not turning away. We speak of blessing and of woe. We speak not only of the vitality of black lives, but also of the wrong that has been done and the systemic change that must now come and the truth that if we do dismantle those systems, the world will not be the same and neither will we. Woe. Stop. Pay attention. When we look to the woes in Luke's Beatitudes, Sharon Ring says, explains that it's not that the rich and privileged are being punished for their actions. Rather, they've enjoyed the benefits. We have enjoyed the benefits. And now it's time to open those benefits to others. To put it even more simply and more directly, it's time to share. Woe to you who are rich. You're going to need to share the wealth. Woe to you who are full. You're going to need to live life as if every life is as sacred as your own. Woe to you who laugh while others groan. You're going to need to enter into the suffering of others and be changed. Gathering us on the threshold of this level place. Jesus invites us into the kingdom of God, the new creation, a new world of compassion and mutuality. Jesus brings us all to this level place where all are welcomed, all of us with every bit of who we are and the lives we live, a place where we see each other face to face, where we stand in the presence of the deep hurt of the world and cannot turn away. As some of you know, during the course of pandemic, I've been learning and trying to incorporate mindfulness practices in, into my prayer life, paying attention and trying to pay attention to what is real. This week, I listened to an interview in which Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams described a practice that invites us in to enter into and not to walk away from the suffering of others. In the practice, 
we're invited to breathe in the suffering of others, to enter into it, to take it in, and then to breathe out our intention for their well-being. In this breathing in and this breathing out, we're invited to create space for compassion and healing and change. Breathing in suffering and breathing out blessing. In the threshold of this level place, in the presence of each other's need, in the threshold of blessing and woe, Jesus invites us into new relationships of mutuality. Out of a world driven by inequitable systems and structures, a world fraught with gross imbalances in wealth and power then and now, crossing on into this mutuality requires a certain amount of relinquishment, of letting go, of sharing. Justo Gonzalez says it like this, what is presented here is a hard-hitting gospel. It is good news to the poor and the powerless. It's also good news to the rich and the mighty, but only if they will follow a path of radical obedience, which in turn will affect their riches and their power. Those who have benefited from disproportionate power will need to let it go. Those who have benefited from disproportionate wealth and opportunity will need to share. Go back with me for a moment to last week's scripture. To the urgent promise the Apostle Paul desperately needed to convey. Remember, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus brings us not only life and forgiveness, but also the power to change. And then remember, this morning's scripture is a healing story. Jesus comes down from the mountain and brings us all into this level place. Everyone is welcome there, no one cast out. And everyone comes, the poor and the not so poor, the hurting and the happy, the stranger, the neighbor, the friend, all of us gather, and there we all are in this level place, standing there face to face, we come with every bit of who we are, with all we are created to be, with the ache that is pulsing in our bones, with our hope for a better world. We stand there face to face, breathing in each other's need. And we reach out. We reach out to Jesus, reach out for a touch, reach out for a world, and in this level place, at the threshold of blessing, and of woe, the threshold of a new creation, power flows out of Jesus. And the world is transformed. And all of us, all of us are healed.